The breeze picks up and a change of season is upon us. Once again, we find ourselves savoring the dusky, smoke-filled air, the sweetest of the year, and scampering about even as hibernation awaits just ahead, tapping its impatient hind paws. And so we return to the podcast. Wow. That was a mouthful. I don't even... Oh, yeah. I don't even really remember that. That, this is, it's probably going to be one of my nerdier pulls from this movie. It is okay. his, so they establish he has the column, like, that he writes oh, with the oh, oh. pieces. Yeah. Yes, this, that was his first one that he writes at the beginning oh, of the movie. Oh, I see, okay. I kind of wanted to pick something out of the box because there are literally a hundred things I could pick for right. this, each better than the last. Right, exactly. Welcome to the Disney desk, everyone. I'm Carter. And I'm Sydney. And we brought this upon ourselves, really. Yeah. I, I I really thought the the minute I started editing last episode and you mentioned we were going to do Wish, I'm like, I should really edit this out in case something unpredictable happens and we find ourselves having not seen Wish, and not willing to lie and say we had. Especially because... But could you imagine if we were? Like, it would would truly be easy for us to lie and and make up an episode and be like, here's our review of Wish, and just totally (laughs) make up things. Yeah, I mean, again, (laughs) if we were, like, 8% more sociopathic about engagement or, like, staying on the cultural zeitgeist intentionally... We probably right. would have. I mean, God, we've discoursed about that damn thing since, like, what, September? Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, right, we we have truly been hyping it up for, yeah, since, like, September. And long story short, first of all, happy Thanksgiving to everyone listening. Um, We are recording this on Thanksgiving Day. Literally. Literally, it is Thanksgiving. And that's that's how dedicated we are. Um, yeah. But, we do this for you, not because right. I hope you not, appreciate we it. don't have other things to do. Right. It's not it's not because we have tr- nothing better to be doing. That's not it. Um I'm not a loser. Right. But basically, I in especially in the last episode, we we, we specifically mentioned that we were gonna see Wish, and for this reason or that reason, it couldn't happen. It couldn't happen this week. We just we were not able to get it in. We had a very narrow window between when it was released and our recording schedule. We stick to a very regimented recording schedule so that we can edit these episodes and have them out to you consistently on the same day every week. And um, it just wasn't in the cards this this time around. It's not that we're not, not going to see it. We just couldn't see yes, it in time we- for today. We've just decided to make it a part of our Christmas sort of spectacular, which honestly isn't the end of the world. It's just like, you know, when you get hyped enough for a movie, especially because we've been pretty good at at seeing things right away now. Yeah, like with Marvels. I mean, it really wasn't like one thing. It really was like three different things coming to a head with a final dagger at the end. Truly, it's the bit from The Simpsons with the smoked ham when Lisa becomes a vegetarian and Mm -hmm. like steals it. Where it falls into, like, it's like, it's still good, it's just a little dusty. And then it falls into the river, it's still good, it's just a little slimy. And then it falls over, like, a waterfall or something, and it's like, oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, but fortunately, we, yes, fortunately we did have a sort of backup plan in mind. I think we, because usually when we pitch ideas for, um, pitch ideas for, like, a month 
um, especially months where there isn't like a very specific theme. We mm. usually have like four or five extras just because it's like, well, well, I think like two weeks ago when we were trying to plan this, like, like when we say we brought this upon ourselves, like we more or less saw the writing on the wall. Like, but like you said, there was like a final dagger at the end that really killed it. However, like, I, I feel like like two weeks ago we were like, okay, so we're going to try our darndest, but let's right. start actually coming up with a plan B and perhaps a plan C. And that is... It really is a testament to how, like, bleak and nihilistic I am that I'm like, there's no way we're actually pulling this off. I think we're good at that, though. Like, I think we, I think we are good at being, like, uh, on the spot as soon as we realize, like, something's not happening being like okay so what are we doing next like i think we're good at at, like shifting gears and being like okay let's just keep moving forward and 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 people yeah we're both good at improving in high stress situations yes yeah but um yes i think at some point one of us proposed a film to do in case the outcome was that we didn't get to see wish and i will say i am very very glad we picked this film because i was before I started watching it again, I was like full blown, like kind of like spiraling. not nonverbal, but I was, yeah, I was spiraling. I, yeah. I didn't text you a lot, but I think you could sense like this of really course. hit me. Yeah. And, and then I was like, God, I feel so bad that I'm going to end up taking it out in this film. But the minute I started watching, I'm like, this is truly the one film that could pull me out of the spiral because right. son of a gun, son of a cuss, this movie is <laughs> immaculate. Yes. I mean, are we, are we, you know, this is technically a, a Sid's never seen. Yes. I was going to bring that up. I was trying to figure out what we'd, I was going what to call it in other tunes, be. but then I realized technically this is a Disney film now after it got bought True. by 20th Century Fox. Um, we haven't named the movie oh, yet. Right. Right. Okay. Go, go ahead. Give, give us a fantastic intro. <clears throat> We are talking about Fantastic Mr. Fox, the 2009 stop-motion film directed by Wes Anderson and co-written by him and Noah Baumbach, who you, I think, Sydney, would most know as the co-writer of Barbie. Aware, Yeah, I definitely have heard that name a lot recently. Um, I think it was me that brought that, that offered this up as being like, um, which is interesting because I've never seen it, but... um, I remember there being, like, a period of time where, like, you talked about this a lot, like, in our friendship, mm-hmm. like, years ago. I yes. can remember you talking about this a lot. Um, so I knew, I always knew, even though I hadn't seen it, that, like, truly you're the only other person in my life who's ever mentioned it. <laughs> and, um, and like, I just, I, I always knew that, like, it was a film that you loved. And... Yes. Um, for, I don't know what reason, but, but I guess we'll get into that of, of why I, and probably a lot of other people have never seen this movie, mm-hmm. even though it's got an, yes. an A++ list cast. <laughs> yes. Even though it's an A++ list cast, it's a pretty accredited director, even at this time. Right. Like, which is funny because this is, should I just get into my, like, how I got into this film before mm-hmm. we talk about, like, where you were at the time? Because this came out well, because we became friends in, like, 2014. It's insane. That's how much this film is grafted into my brain, that I was still talking about it five years later. Right. Because this wasn't like a Carter finds this after the fact. I was actively hyped for this thing. Yes. So, like, 
I was not much of a reader as a kid. I think I've talked about that. Like, I wasn't really into, like, chapter books. I wasn't really into reading. I was, like, a jock. I liked sports and video games. Mm -hmm. So, like, to get me into books was difficult. But one of the few books I, like, opted into on my own as, like, an independent thing, not as, like, a you-have-to-read-this-for-school was uh, Roald Dahl's Fantastic Mr. Fox. It is a delightful little super short book um, about Mr. Fox and his family as he sort of outsmarts and outfoxes a group of uh, three sort of boorish, murderous farmers. Mm-hmm. Um, and when they announced in two, like around 2008, where it's like, oh, they're making a movie version and it's going to be animated... And it's got Wes Anderson. I didn't know Wes Anderson at the time. That was before I'd super gotten into... Like, I didn't become really into movies, like, movies as a thing until, like, 2010. Like, Bennett, my brother Bennett, who was, like, telling me all about this, he's like, oh, Wes Anderson's great. He's, like, one of the cool guys. And he showed me a couple clips on Mm -hmm. YouTube, and I'm like, oh, that's a cool guy. So, like, I was, like, following, even in the early internet days, I was, like, following the trailers. I was following the news like, I was quoting the movie from the trailers. Because, mm. like, the trailers really leaned into quotable moments. So, like, the, um, in particular, the line, uh, here, put this bandit hat on. I don't have one, but I modified this tube stock. Yeah. You look good. Yeah, we do. Stuff like that. See, so I, I was, like, quoting that before it came out. I, it's so fascinating when, when, when we'll talk about kind of the impact in the aftermath of this film... Um, the, I remember the marketing for this so clearly. Like, I remember seeing lots of ads for this. I remember, I remember, I like, I yes. very much remember the commercials for it. And so it's, it is interesting that I never made a, made a point to see it. How old would we have been? Um, almost in high school. We would have been in eighth grade. Eighth grade, Year before grade? high school, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, I I very much like remember seeing ads for this and like I, I I remember I guess my attitude towards it being like recognizing it as a more artful thing. Um mm-hmm. I was almost like I certainly like didn't na- like I certainly wasn't avoiding this movie. Um mm-hmm. because I grew up watching those um oh goodness. I can't remember what what the name of them is but you know like the the christmas claymation like santa claus is coming to town yes. a year without a santa um rankin bass yes that's uh, what they're animation. called that um, the right term? yes which is like probably my only and like wallace and gromit like that that's mm-hmm. like my range of like my exposure to claymation so it's like i i wasn't opposed to this like art style if anything i, I kind of loved it and only had like positive associations with it so like I had right, every right. reason to be seeing it, but um, I guess we'll have to look deeper into the context of, of when this came out to kind of be like, okay, I, like, I feel like I yes. see how I missed it. It is kind of perfect that we paired this with Ratatouille inadvertently. One, because both of them are like, this is emphatically a Thanksgiving movie. Like, Yes, without question. Like, it, like we can't... Like, I know it doesn't explicitly reference Thanksgiving and people are like, you have to reference the holiday or it doesn't count. Um... But I'm like, but in terms orange. of color palette, in terms the whole of vibes, yeah. the whole movie's autumnal and orange and yeah. pastoral. It is. There's turkeys and squabs and grouses and mm-hmm. apple cider and mm-hmm. pumpkins and critters. Um, there's literally a turkey farmer. Yeah. Um, 
Yes, but also because they're both films that a studio clearly realized, like, oh my god, this is completely unsellable to children, and just Pretty doubled much. down on the marketing. Just, like, was like, we just have to push the marketing so hard, parents feel obligated to take their children to this. Right. I did do a little research, and it is very funny. I listened to a West End. It's one of those movies I've avoided behind-the-scenes stuff on, mostly just because I'm like, it's such a pure creation. Right. I almost don't want to know the hand of God on this mm-hmm. one. Like, I don't want to see behind the curtain. But oh, I do love Wes Anderson. Yeah. Just has this, yeah. Wes Anderson just has this line where it's like, when I first signed on to the project, I thought, oh, this will be, like, you know, this will be simple. It'll be a nice way for me to have, like, sort of a blockbuster hit, you know, kids animated movie. And pretty quickly into production, I realized I'd completely blown that. And I'm like, I agree, but that's okay. Because you nailed right. it, sir. Right. Um, where do you want to, where do you want to start with this movie? Well, I mean, I feel like we always start from more of, like, a historical context to, like, and, mm-hmm. then, and then we kind of get into the story itself. So we, we might as well give it that proper treatment right yeah so this this was like a long gestating project like it feels like Wes Anderson projects in general tend to like really really like they tend like there tends to be like three or four in production at any given time like for example the Wonka that's coming up now that's been worked on for years before they actually committed to Timothy Chalamet um this was in production back in like 2004 um they basically had like three or four different visions of it until they ended up, they ended up bringing on Anderson a little after 2006, along with Henry Selick, believe it or not, um, because they had worked together on his film, The Life Aquatic. Mm. Um, Anderson is apparently a big Wes Anderson guy, or Roald Dahl guy. He's apparently like really huge wow. into all of his books. He actually just did a series of, um, he just did a series of short films centered around a lot of like his shorter books uh, the one that's getting a lot of play right now is Henry Sugar, and it's incredible. It's, like, all one shot. You should really watch it. It's only, like, 40, 50 minutes. Um, hmm. It really is why I want the Oscars to have, like, a Best Year award, because I'm like, he's not going to win Best Director. It's going to go to Greta or Nolan. But, like, between this and Asteroid City, he's having a he's having a great year. Right. But, like, yeah, anyway, so here's the... F- the one fun fact from history, there are like two little interesting little tidbits I found. Um, the one is uh, Selleck ended up leaving uh, and being replaced uh, because he wanted to go work on Coraline with Neil Gaiman. Um, mm. He ends up getting replaced by Mark Gustafson, who you would know as the lead animation director for uh, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Oh. So like he, that is kind of now his masterwork um, in, over uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox. Um and in terms of, like, the production history, there is the sort of element of... They recorded all of this on location, effectively. They brought all of the actors out to Connecticut, like a little farm in Connecticut, and just started vamping. They just started, like, recording the lines on in fields, running around. Um, I told you that one bit where Mr. Fox is eating, that was, like, on a dinner table with food. And I do think it adds a very naturalistic element to it. Yeah. Wow. Um, and that kind of leads us to like the beginning of the film. Like, I want to talk about this because this film has such a unique look compared to other stop motion. Yeah, I I wanted to talk about about um, the stop motion work here. It's almost I almost want to use the word bad 
to describe it in like an in sort of an intentional sloppiness. Um, it's like because it's like I don't, I don't even want to use words like bad or sloppy, but like there is an intentional lack of polish. Um, yes, I I definitely see what you're saying. You know there. what I mean? And I picked like I noticed it right away with some of the movement qualities, as if it's like it's missing frames. Um, yes, to sort of give it like a very staccato, choppy. Um, mm-hmm. very cartoonish. It's almost, they wanted it to look, they, they gave them such like rich, realistic texture and then gave them really cartoony movements, which is interesting. Yes. I think you pointed out two really interesting things there. The realistic textures, yes, because I'm so not used to stop motion having fur. We're so used to like mm-hmm. Ardman with Wallace and Gromit having these flat textures, even for someone like a Soft dog. Soft Play-Doh, Yeah. Yes. Um, did you see the story that they were running out of clay? No. So they recently made a comment, like, they have just enough clay to finish their current film, and then, um, like, the p- supplier for their clay that gives them their very specific look, they are, went out of business. Oh, shit. And people were freaking out. People are like, we have to commit the greatest c- clay heist that the world has ever seen. <laughs> Only for them to be like, it's fine, it's fine. We're already working on a new sort of, like, supply chain. It's going to be okay. Everyone don't panic. Oh but anyway. God. Yeah, like that, or even, like, um, even, like, Leica has a very, like, sort of smooth, gri- I mean, it's grimy, but it's smooth. Mm-hmm. Whereas this has, like, fur. It has, like, texture. It tries, yeah. it's almost realistic in its texturing. And, yeah, it also has, like, basic, like... We talk about the rules of animation. We talk about, like, a film has to introduce you to how it... Not just, like, the narrative rules of, like, this is how the world works, but, like, how characters are going to move, how Mm -hmm. characters are going to talk to each other, how characters are going to express themselves, and, like, how the world is going to look. And this film has to do that in spades. And I kind of think they nail it, because we have this, like... We literally start on the... Well, first we show, like, the book to be like, we're going into story time, kids. Mm-hmm. But then we just have this wide shot of Mr. Fox just kind of hanging around a tree, just kind of putzing around. His, yeah. Yeah. He's got a Walkman on. He's, like, stretching. He's, like, chewing on a piece of hay. And it tells you so much of what you need to know about, like, okay, this is how this is going to look. Just adapt your mm-hmm. eyes right now. Just kind of get used to it. Just focus your brain. And then we go into this, like, Do we get a title crazy... card right out of the back? Or, like, do they gradually um, introduce... Because it took me, like like a while into the first act to like catch on to the title cards oh they like start the first language. title card you get is like the children's rhyme which is something from the book yeah i will say in terms of like stuff from the book to play like the adaptation card mm-hmm. basically the entire second act from when he gets his tail shot off to when they get flooded out of this into the sewer like the book is basically like his kids don't really get defined very well it starts with the status quo of he's stealing from Bugs, Bunce, and Bean. They figure out where he lives, blow up his house, and he goes on this madcap heist to steal, like find direct routes to all of their farms. Mm-hmm. But that's like just the ending. Right. Bugs, Bunce, and Bean are like waiting by the hole that his tree used to be, mm-hmm. like assuming he'll pop out someday. But anyway, yeah, they have the little like Bugs, Bunce, and Bean rhyme, and then they have like the book, and then they jump in. But then we have this bit where they're stealing a squab, which I'm still not 100% sure what a squab is. Oh. Um, 
And it's one, it's like this poppy sort of Beach Boysy music mm-hmm. on top of like, yeah, exactly. You're like, literally it feels like frames are missing. Characters move so quickly and mm-hmm. like dance so frenetically. It adds to this like weird, like wild critter energy to it where you're like half of the frames are missing. They're moving so quickly and like are so frantic. You know what else is interesting? Um, they like they're along with like learning the rules, so to speak. It's like this film also has to introduce you to like the rules of specific characters and their kind of quirks. And um, this really requires that you just like have have an open acceptance of of everything that you see. Like for instance, um, I'm forgetting the name of his son, but like that spitting thing he does, they just sort of right. throw those things in. Everyone at has you. a tick. Yes, um, Kylie with Ash. like the dissociation, like yeah, when he just his like, eyes just turn into hypno eyes. <laughs> I think that's my favorite gag, actually, <laughs> because right. he's like, you got to give me a sign or something. And like, he's still loose, yeah. but for whatever reason, like, he moves his arms, yeah. but his eyes it are just like... It just looks like, like he's disassociating. <laughs> his eyes are just out. Truly, yeah, that's like, again, so much of this movie is just bits. It's so many silly, cartoony <laughs> bits. Like, I know we're talking about, like, technical terms about, like, frames of animation right. and color palette, but at the end of the day, this movie's also just really fucking funny. It, yeah. It almost, like, again, I'm, like, I feel like seeing this movie first as my first Wes Anderson made everything else make so much more sense in terms of, like, sort of the toy box aesthetic, the very, like, everyone's a cartoon All of his characters are cartoony. They all have tics. They all have quirks. They all move a weird way. They all speak in a very specific way. Mm -hmm. They, like, everything has this pattern and cadence. I don't know. My relationship with Wes is interesting because it's, like, I saw this, then I saw Moonrise Kingdom, um, which I were those back to back? Yes, he did this. Then Moonrise Kingdom a couple years later, which is considered his worst one. Weirdly, like people don't love that one. I'm people not are like, even aware oh, it's, of that. it's his weakest. Right. Uh, it it came out when our it came out like mid high school for us. Oh. Then Grand Budapest, which is considered his masterwork. I know that. Um, and yeah, it's like so much of the energy from this carries over to Grand Budapest Hotel in terms mm. of just, like, this really staccato... You described it. It's very staccato in yeah. its humor, where it just goes slow, fast, slow, fast. Like, mm-hmm. point, 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 point. Yeah. Um, and, like, if you stop for a minute, you're going to miss a gag. If you stop for a second, you're going to miss something really creative and silly. And also, mm-hmm. like, I really love this opening because it teaches you very much, like, the themes of this movie. It's so interesting coming back to this movie as an adult after so long. It really is, like... I'm finally appreciating entirely, like, its themes and ideas. But this film does such a good, idea, like, job setting up, like, the animal world versus the human world. This sort of right. naturalistic, pastoral, sort of nature-y vibe and, like, the human world. And also giving it, like, a very earthy, tangible sense of realism. Like, this movie's weirdly realistic and blunt in terms of, like, how humans treat animals. Yeah, um, absolutely. Like... Because, again, we have this opening, like, him and Mr. and Mrs. Fox are, like, sneaking around a squab farm. They steal someone. They grizzle... You just hear the grizzly sounds of them, like, breaking a bird's neck. Mm -hmm. And then they're, like, in a trap. Honestly, I forgot how hard this opening goes, where I believe it's the line Mrs. Fox goes, if we're alive tomorrow, and then you just hear, like, a gun cocking in the distance. And you're like... Yes. Right. This movie's inherently about nature and our relationship with it. Yeah. 
But like, yeah, and that like, and that's like the beginning of the film. That's like the first ten minutes, right? And from, exactly. and from there, and I think like it, this was one of our more fun sort of like, like usually when we I, we try to watch movies, if not together around the same time, or like try to <laughs> update each other as we're watching them. And this was one of our best backs and forths as you slowly like become an acolyte for the fantastic <laughs> Mister Fox cult. I believe what. It Literally, was, this next scene is when you start to talk, to what talk about it. broke me about it, like, because I was like, okay, I'm going to turn on this very serious art film. Um, because that's, that's, for whatever reason, like, what I thought it was. A very serious right. art film. <laughs> right, because when you, like, say, what, when you have, like, an auteur doing a animated, an animated film, your brain just goes to, like, oh, they're doing something heightened and not. Yes, this is odd. Um... And then, and it, and it, and it was art. Like I was like, mm-hmm. oh yes, this film belongs in the MoMA. Um, until I hear George Clooney go, nom, 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 nom. <laughs> like, like where he goes. But like, it's very early in the film. <laughs> That's, That's literally thing. like after the opening scene, right? Like you, these, like you, you have a sense of this very domestic, very adult like dialogue that goes back and forth there's something very like refined and like mature about what you're seeing and then she like sits what is it like pancakes or something she sits his breakfast right. in front of him and he eats he's it this like very a blunt, right he, he's having this very blunt like existential crisis of like yeah. you know i'm seven my fox years died. old my dad er, yeah. At uh, t- uh, seven and a half. I don't, die I don't want to live in a hole yeah. anymore. Yeah, I want to do house. something about it. Again, it's like mom. like making those yeah. sounds. And then just and then he just turns off his music and like again the animation is like <laughs> half there. The hands are just full on <laughs> right. like el- like fucking Kermit shit. Right. Like they're just flailing in the wind. Right. And yes, there is footage of George Clooney, um, possibly the most iconic actor of the twenty first right. century. Uh, billionaire, like, only acts when he wants to. Like, again, that's why I think this film got extra credit in the film snob community, because it's like, at this point, he's already sold his tequila company. He's rich beyond, like, comprehension. He... He's not yet married yet, but he's soon to marry this, like, awesome, like, Nobel Prize winner. The best woman in the world? I don't know. Yes. he, He literally... And that was, like, again, this is, like, the reverse Tomorrowland, where I was so excited for Tomorrowland, because it's, like, if he's giving his seal of approval for this, like, yeah, I will be in this movie. It's got to be great. And then I was just kind of like, eh. Mm. Whereas this is the reverse of that, where it's like, nope, it is great. Great job. Right. And, yes, there is footage of this man, like, one of the most interesting men to ever live, just going, like, just going to town on a fucking piece of toast, making cartoon <laughs> noises. And it is so funny, because he gets, because, like... George isn't one of George isn't one of Wes Anderson's usual staples. Like he gets a lot right. of his usual gang. He gets Bill. He gets Jason Schwartzman. Yeah. He gets Willem Dafoe, or Willem Dafoe. He gets Wilson. Like he has like a lot of his usual like gang. He brings right. in some people. So like, it's so funny. It really is a testament to like what clout can get you because everyone buys into this. It very, it's very Looney Tunes. It's very cartoony. Yeah. It's very Looney Tunes. Despite, like, the very natural... Like, half of it is very naturalistic, sort of, like... Like, deadpan, sort of subtle work. Yes. Where, like, these funny animal characters are talking to each other as if they were people. As if this was just mm-hmm. another Wes Anderson movie. 
right. then every it like it really is like oh my god I think you just got it like this is a, just another Wes Anderson movie it's just that they're all animals that's it <laughs> right it's just every ten minutes they remember they're animals and that's right. like and they are cartoon animals right <laughs> um perhaps my favorite moment that me and Bennett quote more than used to quote more than anything in the world is a scene shortly after this where he's like trying to buy a tree he's you know there's this beautiful uh-huh. tree that looks yeah. out over the three farms in the area I need his accountant, and his I guess? um yes his lawyer yeah. of a uh, badger badger beaver or is it badger beaver badger it's, um it's llc it's like badger beaver and beaver attorneys at law attorneys at law <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes and he's just having this very dry like Look, you're you're paying nine percent right. upfront for this. This is like the most dangerous place for you guys to like for you guys yes, to in settle a bad down neighborhood. In, uh, based yeah. on your demographics. And George Clooney just gives a very solemn, like straight faced. I appreciate your opinions and I respect your advice, but I'm going to ignore them. <laughs> and Bill Murray just goes, "The cuss you are," because it's a kid's <laughs> film, you can't swear. That again, I that's we something I need to, to get into my repertoire enough. We have to right, like we have to talk about this whole cussing thing. I assume this is not part of the book. <laughs> no. Okay. I, I don't think so. As best okay. as I can remember, they don't use the phrase cuss ever. They just talk. Okay. They don't... So, no opportunity to swear comes up in the Roald Dahl book. You know, heavy spoilers The man for was those a racist. He didn't swear a lot. For, for those of you that have not seen... Heavy spoilers here, obviously... Um, yeah. Probably one of Look, the funniest I, Well, hold on. Gags. Let's pause for one second and just say, guys, if you haven't seen this movie, go fucking watch this right now. Yeah, it's on HBO Max. It's on Hulu. Until you see it. Um, yeah. But, like, one of the funniest running gags is that any, like, think of anything that could or might be considered a swear word. Even the most, like, innocuous ones, like, damn or hell. Like, and put the word cuss and just like use it in every sentence that you say that is one of like probably the most consistent gag from beginning to end of this film yes is the word cuss but yes we get this scene where they suddenly go are you cussing with me no no you're cussing cussing with with me me. (laughs) and then they just start yelling and saying cuss at each other yeah only to start clawing at each other and going (laughs) serious actors bill murray and george clooney just hissing at each other right. as if they're animal, wild animals. Yeah. <laughs> well, his secretary just looks up and it immediately goes down as if this is just a normal occurrence in a lawyer's right. office for so badgers and go. beavers. Right, exactly. And it really is, that's, again, it's the incredible balancing act of this film that it is, like, continually, like, actual kind of serious drama and kind of, yeah. like, very straight-faced domestic problems like, again, this very much feels like it's akin to, like, Ratatouille and Incredibles, where it's, like, the cartooniness is there just to ease kids into, like, serious domestic problems. Exactly. But at the same time, it adds to this theme. Throughout the film, the whole idea is Mr. Fox is just, like, we're all wild animals. And at some point, we kind of need to accept that. Like, yeah, he gets everyone into trouble trying to like steal you know he gets out of the sort of poaching game he gets out of the stealing hens game only to come back when he sees this challenge of bogus bumps and bean and you know when he's talking about it he's like you know i couldn't help myself foxes are inherently court danger they inherently flout their skills and i just Mm -hmm. couldn't help it like the big sort of like Sort of the big, like, third act go for broke rescue mission is Mr. Fox just being like, we're all wild animals. We have eight skills that will aid us here. And going through and being like, rabbit, you run fast. 
Yeah. Yeah. Mole, you can see in the dark. We can use that. Uh, Badger, you're a demolitions expert. Kylie, you're you're around. <laughs> yeah, you're a possum. You know, you're a mute. You eat ticks. That's you, you come around. You know, like I think he says something to the effect yeah. of like. Yeah, you're just like you're you're along too. Like that's all he's got. Yeah. We need to talk you're about nice Kylie. To be around. Can, can we spend a moment talking about Kylie, please? Because he's introduced yes. pretty early on. Yes, um, Kylie, voiced by uh, Wallace Wolodarski. Wolodarski. Um, uh, he's a he possum. Is, yes, he's a possum. But which is the one British one of the few Britishisms they keep from this? They say opossum. Opossum, which is so yes, because interesting. Why? I don't know. I will say, it's just fucking British, man. Whatever. I don't, I don't get it. This is what this holiday's about. We kick their asses. Yeah, fuck the British. Even though they were probably right to be like, man, those Puritans are weird. Right, honestly. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they were right them to this along. place that we don't think people are? <laughs> right, yeah, they're better off. Send them to India. Yes. Um, anywho, so... Yes, he is, like, the tenant of the house. He, like, maintains their tree house. Uh, he is just just a weird little guy, which I think is the embodiment weird, of friendly. so much of this movie. He's, he's just weird he's, and friendly. He's friendly. He's there, you know. Um, he's mostly weird, and um, <laughs> but he comes in clutch, like, around every corner, you know. He's yeah. kind of Johnny on the spot sometimes. Yes, he is like he is the embodiment of like a like a what's the word uh, super where it's like yeah oh he'll you need a credit card to open up a door he's got a credit card oh right. you need a minnow he's got a minnow um, <laughs> yes he, oh that's yeah that's he's introduced with the minnow thing yeah yes uh, one of my favorite line readings in the entire movie is um, Mr. Fox is like I'm bringing you into this job okay. It's like, this is actually pretty serious. I need you to not say, okay. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> truly, um, just... So much of, like, why this movie's great is truly just the bits they have for every single character. Um, yes. Like, truly, just every character just has some stupid little bit that is do. the funniest yeah. fucking thing you'll think of that day. You'll just remember it later and just start chuckling to yourself. Um, right. <laughs> Like, particularly the rat who's, like, the sellout who works for one of the farmers. um, Who's Willem Dafoe just talking in this, like, Gambit-esque, like, oh, Doing this, like, West Side Story choreography. Yes, he's always snapping. He's He's always, like, flipping a switchblade between his hands. dancing into the scene. Like, yeah, everything is very heightened. He uses the phrase town tart. Oh, that, yes. Um... Jason Schwartzman is the son who just, like, is, um, he just, like, he just always has this bit where he just does, like, a really soft inflection on his voice. Um, like, goes from soft to loud very quickly. Uh, like, the Fox family has to bring in their cousin because their uncle has double pneumonia. And it's like, he's like, you know what? You can take my bed. Uh, I'll just sleep under the, I'll just sleep under the bookcase. Who cares if I get splinters in my ears? (laughs) <laughs> and it's like, oh, you're going to pout about it? Because I've had it up to here with the sad house. Wait, <laughs> my favorite line reading is like in the third act when he's trying, um, when he's like going back for, um, wait, what's the cousin's name again? He has like an interesting uh, name. Christopherson. Christopherson. Yeah, he's he's going back to rescue Christopherson. 
he's like, um, he's like, why? Why you? Like, like, are you sure? And he, like, he's my favorite letter to him when he's like, it's because I'm little. <laughs> oh. No, no, he delivers it so quiet. He's like, I can sub through there. Because I'm no little. <laughs> yeah. Again, it's like, again, it's like, Wes Anderson's films are always cartoony. Like, again, yeah. one of my favorite little jokes from any movie is in Grand Budapest Hotel, where it's like, you know, the concierge is getting blamed for this murder, and he's like, and you think I did it. And then it's just two, like, ten seconds of just dead silence. And then he just cheeses it up the stairs behind them. This full-blown <laughs> sprint. Or this bit where he makes, like, a quip at the lady's funeral to her, like, son. Son punches him. Uh, lobby boy punches him. Willem Dafoe is this goon, punches back. And it's just this shot, reverse shot. Back, forth, back, forth. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, it's even funnier when they're cartoon critters. Um... I would say, like, I mentioned in terms of, like, the Britishism, it is really interesting. And I guess it's interesting, too, because, like, if you go back and watch the original Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, they're not really British. No one's really British. Even though Charlie and Willie in the original? and, like, Grandpa Joe and Co., yeah, they're all well, supposed to be British. Well, I thought that was the point. Like, Augustus is from but Germany, and, like, the American kid is all about guns. Well, yeah, they still do that. They still have the caricatures, but, like, Charlie Bucket himself is supposed to be a little British boy. Like, the Wonka um, factory is in the mean, UK. Is in London or But, whatever. like, yeah, but, like, in the film, like, the kid doesn't really do a British accent, you know. Neither does Obviously, Joe. Gene isn't doing... Yeah, none of them do. For some reason, they just kind of treat it like American British. So weird. Not really. Their only one who speaks in a British accent is the one teacher who constantly is doing bits where it's like, class oh, dismissed. Snarky. It's like, well, there's only five tickets. Class reopened. Um, yeah, the snarky But anyway, mm-hmm. like, it is interesting that this film leans so much into, like, Americana. Like, obviously you cast George Clooney, who's, like, one of the yeah. three or four, like, iconic American actors. It's, like, what, him, James Dean, uh, fucking John Wayne, and Tom Cruise, I guess. Ugh, as, like, yeah, I guess. the pantheon of, like, Americana oh, acting. Rushmore. yeah. Yeah. Um, But, like, not even just that, but, like, so much of this film is, like, very much coded, like, sort of folksy appellation, very, like, sort of Americana. Like, the opening song is Davy Crockett, like, the Ballad of Davy Crockett. Mm -hmm. And before we get to the little dance break, like, the last, like, song that plays that isn't, like, a pop song is Old Man River. Yes, and yeah, even, interesting. And even, like, the pop songs that play are, like, the Beach Boys right. and, like, the Bobby Fuller Four. Mm-hmm. And I do think that's so interesting. And, like, hmm. I don't I don't know why they choose that specifically, because it's not, like, it's not, like, sort of pastoralness. Like, you know, there's a whole genre of British literature that is about, like, the death of yeah. pastoral, the death of, like, nature to the machine, which this film, hmm. again, is a heavy theme of this movie. Like, you know, you know, these three farmers are getting slightly cucked by a fox, and their totally chill, rational response is to wait outside his house, shoot his fucking tail off, and then yeah. literally destroy his home with excavators, blowing it up with dynamite, literally driving right. every single critter underground. And there's a little bit Flooding with a newscaster who keeps popping up. cider? Yeah. <laughs> trying to drown them in apple cider, like sociopaths. <laughs> and, like, there's the line, the reporter who, like, pops up every now and then as just, like, a quick bit of exposition underlines, like... Yeah, it kind of destroyed the entire countryside. So, like, uh, what's the end game here? You gonna we right. winning? We losing? What are we doing here? <laughs> um, but it really did strike me how, like, 
you know, and again, that's like a genre in British literature, like mm. the tragedy of the Industrial Revolution taking mm. the village greens away. And it's interesting that they transition that to America. And I'm like, is that... It, I guess it is funny because, like, Mr. Fox as a character has, like, a very sort of sort of brash, right. like, American leading man energy to him. Definitely. Like, he has a lot of different energies to him. But, like, you know, like, again, it follows in, like, the great genre of, like, the gentleman thief, which is, like, well, yeah. that's anywhere. That's English. That's French. That's American. But, like, for some reason, like, a this, like, a fox in particular, I guess, has, like, a very American vibe. You know, and, so. like, that... Right. I'm trying to pinpoint it. But I think it's less about the fox and more about, like, yeah, if we were imagining Mr. Fox as a man, like, yeah, this, like, this, this is a very, like, American bad boy. Right. He has American leading man energy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He even has the line, like, if people aren't impressed and amazed and maybe even a little intimidated by me, then I don't really feel like I'm achieving everything. Yeah. I was going to say that scene is particularly interesting for rarely do films just tell you the answer. Right. And like, again, it's, it's, it's kind of amazing. Wes Anderson hasn't done more animated films because it really is like his style of writing, his sort of like characters aren't afraid to just express their like emotional hangups out loud Mm -hmm. really makes sense for like a kid's animated film where it's like, you kind of want the morals and the themes to be, you know, Mm-hmm. kind of spelled out there. like again yeah i want to be where the people are just be yourself mm-hmm. uh, right you know like you know i just uh, can't because wait I to love be king Lumiere. guess what yeah yeah <laughs> well Justin. i got it yeah <laughs> yeah it, it is interesting and it's like i don't know and i do wonder a part of it is like is a part of why they leaned into the Americana of it all, just because it's like, well, you can get George Clooney and you can get Meryl Streep as yeah. your two leads, like two of the greatest American actors to ever live. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel bad we haven't talked about Meryl Streep because she oh, yeah. also like quietly kills in this movie. Yeah. Well, she like, I don't know. She's very good at underlining the actual emotional stakes of this. I do appreciate right. that this movie also does a great job in terms of like scope and scale and sense of threat. Like, I talked mm. about the beginning where they're just, like, trapped in a cage as you start hearing, like, guard dogs and, like, guns. And the first thing she says is, I'm pregnant. Yeah. What a punch did and they like, get. Oh, what a line. Um, and then Mr. Fox is just a crappy little expression. That's so great, honey. Great. Yeah. Uh, but, Ugh. like, yeah, there's, like, three or four different moments of that where she just kind of, like, lays out the emotional stakes and underlines, like, how dire the situation is. The movie does such a good job mm-hmm. of being like, no, these are animals. They are kind of helpless in, against the machine like yeah. any one of them individually going up against man is going to lose and lose badly like mr fox is cool because he like outsmarts them and somehow defies death at every turn you know what's interesting about mrs fox is that like from the beginning from that moment they do such a good job at like making her believably like a quote-unquote strong woman character in the sense that like Mm -hmm. there there isn't like she seems totally or she could potentially be totally independent from the jump and when she says Mm -hmm. things like if we make it out of this like you're getting another job like you really do get the sense that she could very easily walk away if that's what she wanted to and even later in 
And even later in the film, she's like, I love you, but I should have never married you. Yeah, this was a mistake, right. And and um, I don't know if it's the writing or if it's just, like, Meryl Streep's, Meryl Streep's, like, delivery of that. Um, that, like, you actually couldn't believe her, that she might walk, that, that right. she very well could walk away and that would be fine. Yeah, I mean, one of the lines that really hit me in the court is, like, so he gets his tail shot off and he barely gets away and it's like, mm-hmm. God damn it, we're going to have to move. We're never going to be able to sell this house for a quarter of what we already sunk into it. Like, why didn't I just listen to my damn lawyer? And then you just start to hear shovels and they're like, oh my God, they're digging us out. And she just goes, they'll kill the children. And you're just like, fuck. Like, again, you mm-hmm. just realize like, oh, fuck, the stakes for these animals are very real. Like, the, mm-hmm. again, they're personified as cartoons, but there's never a moment in a Looney Tunes cartoon where you're like, yeah, Elmer Fart is going to shoot him and skin him right. and eat him. And like, that's going to be this real, yeah. like, something about, like, the realistic textures and the very naturalistic delivery to a lot of the dialogue. Like, you're like, no, these are real animals and the stakes are... T- and especially how they play with size, where the animal characters are just so much smaller than everything around. Like, even a beagle dwarfs them in terms of size. Like, it seems like they're just even like, smaller oh. than what the animal would really be. Right? That's something I think about a lot, just in terms of, like, the scope. Like, at mm-hmm. one point, Christopherson's trapped in an apple crate, and I'm like, a fox is as big as an apple crate. Right, yeah. Even a young fox would be bigger than that. A fox is, that. like, the size of a cat. or an, Yeah, like, even a baby fox would be, like, yeah, the size of, a, of like, a house cat. I don't know. Nature, like, proportions in nature are so weird, because it's, right. like... A wolf, you connect wolves to dogs because they're, like, ancestral, like, their ancestral sure. kin. Yeah. But in reality, a wolf fu- is fucking huge compared to a dog. Even, yeah. like, a husky is sure. tiny compared to, the, like, a full-ass wolf. Right. Um, and I think all of this, like, naturalistic dialogue and stuff is even more impressive because, again, it's like... I don't know if it would be easier to sit in a booth and read lines where you kind of see storyboards and stuff mm-hmm. or the version they're doing where it's literally two actors just hanging out in a field, running around and like yeah, being silly with each other. To do it. Uh, maybe it would be better just because it's like, I well, like you're face to face with someone and you can just bounce. Yeah, I like I like an approach to acting that feels like you're at some kind of like summer camp or or that or that is like really really workshoppy more than it is like get in the booth and do it i do think that again that's one of the strengths of this film it does have like as immaculate as its design is and how careful so much of it feels it also just has a very anarchic energy to it it feels like everything mm-hmm. is a bit slapdash and like kind of put together it does have like a theater kid um it does have a big theater kid energy where it's like uh now you guys are hissing at each other now right. you're running through a field like right. so many, like so many of Mr. Fox's mannerisms are just these like little manic like shouts and stuff where he's like, "Yeah, woohoo, yeah!" And like mm-hmm. one of my favorite little moments is they pull off the first heist and he's just running through a field and he just goes, "Woohoo, yeah, woo!" And it's like both cartoony but works in the context of the thing and just again yeah. it sells you on the tone. So much of this fo- film is insane tone balance. Because it has so much, like, real shit, so much cartoony shit, all of these silly little animal mannerisms, and all of it in the context of, like, an adaptation of, like, a twee little British book. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, man. I'm trying to think of what else we should cover. Um, should we just talk of? Well, I was going to say, we should talk about some of the best bits, but yeah, I let's... don't want to just sit around and explain jokes. <laughs> okay, well, well what, are, what are a couple of your favorite bits? I mean, 
I think we talked like, about them. Obviously. With Kylie and it, most of my favorite bits are Kylie. Yeah. Like, in terms of, like, the perfect balance between cartoony and deadpan is they have to make... There's an established bit where they use blueberries lined with sleeping darts to take out beagles. Like, beagles, I guess, are the one kind of animal that isn't particularly domestic, like, isn't, like, humanized. Mm -hmm. So they're still stooges for the man, man. And there's, like... They establish one of the dogs is rabbit, and, of course, that's the one guarding, like, the final thing. They're rescuing Mm -hmm. someone, and they gotta take out this dog. And Fox goes, give me a blueberry, Kylie. It's like, what? Blueberries? Did you not Did you not bring the blueberries? No, I didn't bring the blueberries. I, <laughs> you didn't tell me to bring blueberries. I told you to, I wrote it on your paw. And then they just cut to a just single shot of this highly detailed opossum paw. <laughs> it's just with just blueberries. blueberries. Colored blue Arrows. with like little stars and underlined. <laughs> and mm-hmm. it like, <laughs> just gets me every time. <laughs> or the other Kylie <laughs> bit is... He finally, Mr. Fox always has a bit where he looks directly at the camera and goes, and finally he goes, what, what is that thing you do with the clicking and the clapping? It's like, it's my trademark. And at the end of the movie, Kylie just stands there and goes, ah, yeah. It's like, oh, oh I, I get it. It's your, it's your trademark. Right, that's your thing. Everyone has a Kylie in uh, their life. Just a weird absolutely. little dude who you're like, I'm okay. like, my brain says I shouldn't associate with you, but God damn if you want yeah, to show me Yeah, you don't have it in stuff. your heart to, you know break up with your Kylie but like my favorite, the little weirdo who always comes in the clutch my favorite is like the hot box game that they play at gym in mm-hmm. gym class that they like end up applying later like I don't know why, like I love that bit I think that that is Owen Wilson whoever that that coach is um I forget what kind of animal that is some kind of like it looks like some kind of like arctic fox thing I don't know but he's explaining this like Stout, very maybe very intricate sport that kind of looks like cricket but is like has a million with gymnastics and it like i think what i love about it is that he he explains the rules really quickly and christopherson immediately like just picks up on it and he's like got it and immediately just Mm -hmm. plays a perfect game yes i love the christopherson Um, at school stuff with like the girl right Christopherson and Ash um, yeah. as, like, the pair. And I also love they keep being like, man, he really is your um, dad's cousin or <laughs> nephew. And it's, like, yeah. not from blood. He's from my mom's side. <laughs> yeah, so much, like, um, the little bit where, so they basically fucked up everything for all of the other animals. And this badger or this beaver bullies, like, eat some dirt. And he, like, shoves some dirt in his face. Christopherson takes off his shoes. It's like, why did you take off your shoes? so I don't break your nose when I kick it. And then we just, <laughs> just beats the crap out of him. Um, or like, oh, God, yes. Well, we haven't really talked about the farmers, who, like, in terms of adaptation, okay. that entire, like, thing where they introduce the farmers is basically I word for word bit. from... Oh. Yeah, where they describe him as, like, a potbelly dwarf roughly the size of a baby rhinoceros. And, and he's uh, like, his chin would be underwater at the lowest part of any pool. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like... God, they took the time to design these sets that don't get used for literally anything else. Yeah. That's very expensive. And again, that's like the Wes Anderson, like, dollhouse element of it. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, but we need it. So we're going to waste the time, money, it. clay for resources to make a scale, a pool, and, like, whatever little, like, shtick we need. Yeah. Um, but, yes, the, the, recur- the two bits with the farmers that I really, really like are... 
like, there are three or four times where Bean, who's established as, like, the really, like, the thinker of the group. Like, he's the one mm-hmm. who lives off a diet of alcoholic cider, which, that's a mood buddy. He's kind of um, the ring, ringleader of the... Yes. Yeah. He's, like, really lanky and really scary. He, like, shoots out all these lights to show how cool he is. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a bit where they realize they've been duped. The fo- animals have gone around them and stolen all their stuff. And they're just sitting in a little RV... And the two other farmers are like, ah, this was a mistake. We should have just, you know, we should have just let him be, you know, let mm-hmm. him let be. And he fucking trashes the whole place without saying a word. Yeah. Literally just these lanky hands just right. sliding around <laughs> and knocking things over. He goes outside, steals someone's bike, and hucks it across the room, <laughs> smashes a guitar, kicks something over, and just... Again, it's, like, the perfect time for some, like, physical comedy catharsis where, like, n- not a word is said. And that's the amazing part, like, how well this movie balances, like, silent comedy with vocal comedy. Um, And also, there's a reoccurring bit where they keep sending letters between each other. But they keep cutting out, like, their letters with newspaper cutouts. So it's like, we have the kid. You have to hand over this. And uh, Kylie goes, or someone goes, wait, why did they do this in newspaper cutouts? And Kylie goes, to hide their identity. Even though Oh, wait, they didn't try to kill us. Also... Yeah, it's like, oh, wait, we know who they are. Also, they <laughs> sign their names. And then Mr. Fox does the exact same thing, and Bean right. goes, why the custody do this in newspaper cutouts? I don't know, but you did the exact same thing. Oh. I don't trust this guy. <laughs> um, oh yeah, gosh. there's just so many, like, again, in terms of, like, this is a master class in comedy of, like, anything yeah. that can be funny is funny, and mm-hmm. any kind of comedy that you can invoke to create this story is used. Works. yeah. Yes, um, and works. And works. Um, can you explain to me, I should have watched this like with subtitles. I watched it on my projector, and, and sometimes the audio projector is kind of crap, but like, what is the like, the, the, the children's rhyme that they have for um, Bogus or whatever it is? Or whoever. Oh, yeah. Uh, bogus, bunts, and bean, when fat, when short, when lean. These oh. horrible crooks, so different in looks, but nevertheless equally mean. Nevertheless, I think it's nevertheless, but that doesn't really fit the meter very right. well. But yes, oh, that is, yeah, that's okay. another thing that's, like, lifted straight from the book. Okay. Because um, the book is, like, the book, the whole beginning is that, like, introduction where it's, like, these are the farmers Mr. Fox steals from. Yeah, interesting. Okay. Um, and gotta say, turning that into a musical interlude as, like, the great battle between man and, or man and critter starts, very, very right. funny. Um. That whole sequence where they're going to war with the critters. One, because it looks different than everything else in the movie. Again, they do such a good job painting, like, the human world versus the animal world. Because that whole town is just sad, gray, and concrete. Yeah. Uh, Mm -hmm. To the fact that they use pine cones as explosives. To the fact that, like... um, Yes, all of the critters are weirdly gung-ho about, like, fighting. Mm Mm-hmm. Um... Again, it turns into a Looney Tunes film. Even the bit where Mr. Fox is running from his life from a rabid beagle. Like, right. it's so Looney Tunes. And it, like... Again, it's perfect. Like, I don't know. And this is something we talked about as we um, as we were watching it. The bit with the wolf. And now that I'm an adult yes. and can, like... This, this thing has confounded... So there's a recurring bit where Mr. Fox is afraid of wolves. He's just like, ugh. I, well, he says he's not afraid of them. He has a I'm phobia of, of them. Kylie says that. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, why? That's irrational. Right. Um, but, like, so at the end of the adventure, they stop and realize there's this wolf just out in the distance, like, 
on, like next to the snowy mountain. And it, it, like, it honestly looks a- like hand-drawn animated. Like yeah, it's so far in the distance, it might as well be matte paintings and animation. Mm-hmm. Um, and Mr. Fox is like trying to talk to it. They seem to not understand the same language. So mm-hmm. instead he just big, holds up like a fist. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I assumed that there was just like a mutual um, mano y mano, you know, like wild animal to wild animal solidarity. Right. And well, that's that, why that, like, that, I've that gotten... was enough in spite of, or or I interpreted this as like, okay, like, we, you know, we are within a food chain. We're wild animals, but we also like hunt wa- other wild animals. And mm. that guy probably would hunt us if given the opportunity, but we're all just trying to survive. And we have right. solidarity in that alone. Um, so that right. symbol was enough. Yeah. Yeah. And you were right when you said it last night. It is such a beautiful scene. It is such a weird off kilter scene. Yeah. It kind of halt. It screeches the movie to a literal halt because they're on mm-hmm. a motorcycle, and yet it's so beautiful. And you're like, I can't imagine cutting it. I can't imagine a version of the movie without it. Yeah. And like that, what you just said there is what like why I've glommed on to like the wild animal theme so much. This idea of like. You know, at the end of the day, we're all animals. Because pointedly, the wolf doesn't wear pants. Like, he's not, like, anthropomorphized in any way. He looks like a wolf. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the only time he does anything that a wolf couldn't do is when he holds up his hand straight into the air. Which I'm pretty... Yeah. Can a wolf... Can dogs... No, they can't. Yeah, I was gonna say, they don't have the joints for that. No, yeah, yeah, because their their shoulders are... Yeah. Mm -hmm. But, like, yeah, this idea of, like... At the end of the day, we're all animals, and there's, like, an inherent animal instinct that we all kind of glom toward. And that's beautiful and messy, and we're all little right. different. <laughs> Wait, that's one of my I just re- I literally bits. remember that as a diff- Every time they said different, <laughs> they do, like, a weird that curvy face thing. Because it's, like, it's not even a shape. It's, like, Meryl Streep, like, Mrs. Wolf just goes, like, I know what it's like to be a little... And then she just flails. Like, she's just like... <laughs> yeah. Some people do it like this. Some people do it like this. Some people do this. <laughs> but it's like... Somebody... Oh, right. We're doing a podcast. It's my favorite bit, probably. <laughs> that's, well, that, that's up there with one of my favorite moments. <laughs> oh, my goodness. This movie. Yeah, this movie fucking rules. Again, I was just like... I was so worried this was going to feel like... I don't even know what I thought. I, I couldn't imagine... For some reason, my brain said you aren't going to like it as much as you liked it as a kid, even though this is such clearly more of an adult film than a kid's film. Right. Like, I didn't know why I would turn against it for some reason, but I just felt like I would. But instead, literally, my heart, like, my heart is warming as I'm watching Mm -hmm. it, where I'm just, like, remembering everything and just, like, remembering the rhythms, remembering the time in my life where I could quote this beat for beat. Right. And, like, just fully embracing it. Uh, Yeah, I'm... I'm thankful, speaking of uh, Thanksgiving, that this has been added to, like, our mutual film list now. Right. I truly think that so much of Sid and Carter I've never seen truly is just, like, an excuse to strengthen our friendship. Truly. Truly. I mean, more than just doing the podcast and, like, having a sort of pseudo-business endeavor together, Mm -hmm. it's, like, so much of it is just, like, even though we've been friends for, like, almost a decade now there's just so many like little gaps in our knowledge of each other having this as like an opportunity to expound on that and just be like here's a special thing in my life and now i'm giving it to you yes yeah absolutely i was gonna say well like i guess obviously like one 
what did you what did you know about this movie coming in? What were you expecting coming in? Well, first of all, I think in my brain I kind of isn't there like another stop motion movie with like dogs? Yes, that is he did that one later. I still haven't seen it because okay. I heard it wasn't as good and I don't want to be disappointed. In my I mind, dogs. I think I okay, in my mind I think I was conflating these two films as being the same film. Mm-hmm. Um but Oh god. What were we, what was your question? Oh, okay, about this movie. Um I I was expecting like I think going in I actually forgot that this was Wes Anderson. Um, until truly, like, five minutes in, I was like, oh, it, because it's a very, very, very specific vibe. Um, it's a very specific, like, filter that is, like, a Wes Anderson sort of, like, treatment of anything. Um, but I was, I was expecting something poetic. I was, like, truly this met my expectations for what I thought it was. I thought it was going to be artful and mm-hmm. um poetic and um like beautiful in his own way honestly i was just most surprised at the humor i really wasn't i thought this film would be taking itself much more seriously than it did mm. right it like again for me like so much of like like we talk about the rules being introduced at the beginning and the fact that it opens with the ballad of davy crockett really underlines that it's like a twee little folk song that's like yeah. silly and bouncy, but has like a really subtle, sweet emotion to it mm-hmm. that like, you know, makes you winsome and nostalgic and smile. Um, I was going, uh, the question I always ask during these episodes is if there was, if you had like 10 seconds to sell someone on this film. Oh gosh. Now that you're in the Fox, the Fox folk cult, how do you, <laughs> how do you sell people on this? See, I feel like I'm always bad at answering this movie because I just resort to like, well, I like it, so I think you'll like it. Um, but if you don't like it, I'll shoot you right. with a gun in Minecraft. Um, because Tom okay. said we can say whatever we want as long as we qualify it with in Minecraft. Oh, did he know? Well, yes. um, okay, if I had to give like an elevator pitch... Um, I would say, oh God, wait, how would you sell it? I don't know. I'm so bad at that. I would say it is one of the silliest, sweetest animated films I've ever had the pleasure of watching. It is scruffy and messy and full of heart. The kind of thing you just don't think they're allowed to make sometimes. Mm -hmm. And... Someone described the Lego movie perfectly as it feels like a bunch of really plucky film students, like film kids, broke into the theater and swapped out the projector of whatever, like, corporate-mandated drivel this Mm -hmm. movie should have been and -hmm. replaced it with their colorful, bouncy, soulful version. And this is another movie that falls into this camp where it's like, it shouldn't be allowed to be this lovely, but it is. It shouldn't be allowed to be this, like, personal but it is it shouldn't be allowed to be this off kilter and weird and dumb and lovely and smart but goddamn, isn't it yeah yeah i'd probably say something along the lines of of that too of it being like um a beautifully colorful but sort of beautifully not colorful um art artful funny charming 
movie that is also very emotionally moving and um, like poignant in, in its message and very hilarious. Yes. Also, it's another film that I, I hate to say it for this film in particular, but I feel like it's a film you could, another film you could take all the dialogue out and it would still be delightful oh, just because oh, of like yes. how personal the animation is and how great the music is. Like the sort of like theme, which is this very banjo heavy, like guitar plucky, like PD's song. Yes. Um, like I listened to that to calm down. Yeah. Oh, that's my favorite bit. Fucking Petey. Mm-hmm. This weird little guy. He like has a folk song about the critters and then Bean comes out and goes, what are you singing? You I wrote just, a bad song, just, Petey. <laughs> yeah. That's just bad songwriting. You wrote a bad song, Petey. <laughs> again. Oh my God. I, again, if, okay. Here's my final selling pitch for this movie. There's so like we've told you maybe five percent of the bits. This is right. like the vibranium mines. We've been digging at this for an hour and we've still barely touched the surface of what's right. down there. Like it is so fucking funny. There's also um, so many one-off characters. Right. Again, that's again, it's like of course, of course Wes Anderson's perfect for an animated movie. Because animated movies are so much about like quirky, iconic characters, and it's like yeah, when you have a Rolodex of actors who will just answer the bell Do when you ring anything it. anything you want. Yeah, it's like you can just have Owen Wilson for a single scene where he's explaining cricket, a like game. animal cricket. Yeah. Because why not? You yeah. can have you can have Brian Cox for a bit. You can have you can mm-hmm. have um Willem Dafoe for three scenes saying right. stuff like Moshari. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then um, give him a dramatic because, death. Yes. A weirdly straight-faced death that, of mm-hmm. course, ends with him going, <laughs> and his yeah. eyes turning into little cartoon X's. <laughs> what is the line he says? He redeemed himself. Redemption? Maybe. But at the end of the day, he's just another rat dead outside of a Chinese restaurant garbage Jeez. can. <laughs> just like, whoa. Ugh. Fucking poetry for a modern America. Right. God, this really is kind of like one of the perfect Thanksgiving movies, though. It, it it's is. It's insane. Right. Because it's like just the right color. It's just the right tempo tone. It's the right kind of thing where you can have on and just pop in and out and like appreciate yeah. the little bits. Definitely. Where you're like, oh, there's my favorite part. This is right. my favorite sequence. Mm-hmm. Oh, hold on. They're about to say my favorite joke. Everyone quiet down. Right. Um, <laughs> like a lot of iconic names where you can be like, I remember that guy. And... Truly, this might have been, I might argue this is one of the best years in animation. Because, like, we've talked about this year a little bit. Um, right. So it didn't, it didn't crush it at the box office. It ended up making um, $46 on on forty, And I kind of understand why. Because it's like, this truly is, and I think you described it as like, oh, this is just a film for Carter and Sydney. Like, right. and I think that is the appeal it has for a certain group of people. Where it just feels so, like, perfectly tailored. You're like, oh, right, this is a movie just for me. Because who else would be into this? Yeah, they, they obviously didn't want everybody to be watching this. <laughs> right. And it's like, yeah, they're like, it's almost like they, like I can see kids liking this, but it's a hard sell for kids because right. it's not like, it, it's, it's not what you would think. But right, I forgot exactly. this year is, this Stacked. film is 2009. It is up Coraline, Fantastic Mr. Fox, The Princess and the Frog, and The Secret of Kells for the um, five Up Academy Award Up and Coraline, 
No. Yeah, it's like, yeah, this film didn't stand a chance. No. <laughs> but that's kind of why it's special. It's the weird yeah. little, like, we talk about Princess and the Frog kind of being, like, the underdog of the Disney canon, kind of like the forgotten right. gem. Mm-hmm. Like, this it's one is a, that times three. I was going to say, it's also a crowded market. Like, there's just too many kids' movies in this year. Right. Yeah, and ones that, like, are very popular. Like, Up got nominated for Best Fucking Picture. Yeah. And they still gave it Best Animated Film. Like, this was the first... I'm pretty sure... Did Wally get nominated for Best Picture? I don't think Wally got nominated for Best Picture. Mm. But Up was the first animated film to get nominated for Best Picture since Beauty and the Fucking Beast. Damn. And, like, it's like, you had to go up against that on -hmm. top of Henry Mm -hmm. Selleck dropping a baller and basically creating, like, helping create a brand new animation studio. Like, that's Laika's first film. You know, Mm -hmm. Princess and the Frog, which, even though it's kind of, like, underrated now and kind of, like, you know, didn't have as big an impact as I imagine Disney wanted. It was a historical event. Yeah, it was a moment. It's, like, the first black princess in the first hand-drawn animated film in, like, a decade. Right. And... Secret of Kells is also very good. And, like, yeah, it's the first film by Cartoon Saloon, which is, like, hmm. their sort of... It's, like, their start is, like, the big Irish animation film thing. And it's, like, it's kind of it's kind of perfect that Fantastic Mr. Fox fell under the radar in this year because it very much is, like... This film doesn't work if it's mainstream. It right. thrives in being the underdog. It thrives in being sort of the... Sort of, like, unexpected gem. Mm-hmm. Um... God, any other thoughts? I This film is amazing because you can talk about it for an hour, you can talk about it for three hours and still get a full conversation. Because, mm-hmm. like, you can talk about it for an hour and just be like, it speaks for itself, or you can talk about it three hours breaking down every little and thing. Still not, but I'm like... Yeah. Do you have any other things well, you wanted to cover before we wrapped up? Um, to wrap up this episode today, since it is Thanksgiving, and I think certainly both of us can attest to the fact that like it's it's not the thanksgiving we would have designed for ourselves <laughs> not even a little not even a little um and that's okay because you know we have each other let's like there's always something to be grateful for right you know so yeah so like l- let's reflect while we have our last episode of, of november 2023 um well, I'll start with I'll start with you. I'm I'm thankful for you, Carter, and your friendship and um mm. you know, it's so weird we ta- like I don't know if, if people like understand. I mean, like we have our podcast clearly and mm-hmm. people, you know, hear us here or whatever and certain people know us. But like you may be like the one person I have the most contact with every day. Oh, that's with a bullet for me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You may be the single most, like, if I had to, if if convicted be tallied in some way, um, you you probably like the person I I speak to the most every day. Like, it doesn't. We even when we like see each other in person, like we st- we like I don't we don't even say like goodbye anymore when we're leaving. We'll be like, I'll talk to you in like one minute. <laughs> Yeah, literally a minute, <laughs> if that. Right. Like, I might send you a message while I'm sitting in my car, like, yeah, literally hyping talk to up you. to drive home. Yes, exactly. <laughs> right. It is, like, it borders on near-constant dialogue. 
Like, yes. the little bit between finding out that we weren't going to be able to do Wish to, like, the day after is probably the longest gap I've had not talking to you in months. Right. But there's so much consistency And that was, that like, like, basically 24 hours. Those gaps are, like, understood when they, if, if mm. and when they come up. Like, we have a very mutual, like... Like I get, and I guess that speaks to how frequently we like, or how well we know one another. Is that like, we we just kind of get it when things like that happen. Like we, I know exactly what like where you were and 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 why. Like I wasn't hearing from you, and that was fine. Right. Yeah. It. I mean, ugh, we're gonna hold on. If we're gonna get sentimental, then we've been we've been drinking this episode because it's after dinner. It's after Thanksgiving. This is the end of our day. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, we probably should just bring that up. So if, I feel like this was a pretty good episode, but I do feel it like was. it was like, what the fuck was wrong with them during that right, episode? Right, of course. so weird? It's like, know, yeah, this is one what... of two episodes we drank on. Truly the spectrum, where it's like, right. it either needs to be a film as good and weird as Fantastic Mr. Fox, or, or a terrible. film that makes us as violent and angry as, as the uh, Illuminations, <laughs> the Lorax. Where I opened that episode... Crack open a Foster's oil drum on Mike and go fucking Ugh. whatever. What about um, me? There. <laughs> so, I'm a Buffalo Bills fan. I think I've mentioned that a couple times. Mm-hmm. And there was a really great clip that keeps running uh, this week, sort of as like a morale booster and as a hype video. Um, it was last year when the Bills were playing the Lions on Thanksgiving. And they were stretching out. And Stefan Diggs, our star wide receiver, um, who was traded to Buffalo um, basically to be sort of like, sort of like the, like, like wingman, uh, sort of mm-hmm. like sidekick to our star quarterback, Josh Allen. They're like stretching, they're warming up. And he just goes like, man, I am so thankful for you, man, more than you'd ever know. And his voice cracks a little bit and it just hits me. And it really is like, man, Sydney, I will never be able to fully explain how thankful I am that you're my best friend. Yeah. Ditto. Um, yeah, it, it it really is, like, at the end of the day, I'm so thankful to have this, like, as something we get to bond over and as something that, yeah. like, feels uh, so naturalistic and more or less just feels like an extension of what we were, you know, our friendship. Right. Like, it never feels forced to do this. There's very few no. times where I have to, like, put on a face or, like, put on a smile to mm-hmm. get through it. And that's truly because of how good a friend you are and how good we are at, like, hyping each other up for things. Even this episode that, like, again, I was, like, very upset because I was so, like, I've been so in my head about seeing Wish for so long. Mm -hmm. Like, sitting down, and you know what it was? It was you texting me about this movie. Like, I hadn't even thought about the fact that this was going to be the first time you'd ever seen it. And seeing you so fully buy in from the word jump (laughs) and realizing that this is just a new thing between us, like a new bonding Right. Just made me so fucking happy, man. <laughs> yeah, I think like the like, and I guess this is this is the time of year for getting kind of winsome and reflective about things. But like, for all of the things that this podcast has afforded us, it um, <clears throat> like a huge part of that is like an escape. Like not an escape, but it's just mm. like a relief. It's like. It's um, it's just been like a mental, emotional like break for the two of us. Like it's almost like its own like safe haven. Doing right. this, 
Yeah, we're all both nearly at our, uh, like, I guess third life crisis. Midlife crisis made more sense mm-hmm. when people lived less long. Quarter. It's quarter. We're, we're quarter. Feasibly. Oh, God. Am I going to live to past 90? No. Oh. No. If you're lucky, no. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Can you imagine um, living that long? But, no. Oh, my bones. My great-grandma lived to 103, and I'm just like... The Man, horror. What a life. Right? You lived through <laughs> mul- you I think you lived through both world wars if I'd sat down and did the math, or at least the end of World War One. Yeah. But like, yeah, in so many ways it's like I don't know. Like it's such a tough especially because for like two artists, for mm-hmm. two people who like want to create and make things, I think you reach like I think this is like the toughest point because it's like you're not quite there yet. If sure. you didn't get the success right away, you're just not quite there yet. And you're just kind of like trying to break through that wall and mm-hmm. to just have a moment to just sit down and let the wall be and like just talk is yeah. so rewarding and so cathartic and so soothing. Right. And I think also like, you know, yeah, we love each other very much, but like, thank you to everyone who supports us and, and listens to us. I've had more than, you know, when we did, when we did Disney Desk and Friends in September, that was, like, the first time hearing um, from, like, people like Tom. Even Ren said to me, like, at one point, like, um, a feeling inspired by us. Like, that's something about that is really special to think that, like, what that people enjoy what we do, but like have even been inspired to create their own work and in whatever it is like from listening to us and from what we do that that is like I love that right. so much that is what I, makes it worth it I <clears throat> couldn't agree more it's like I don't know if you can be one thing in life be jubilant be mm-hmm. like be sort of a rallying point for people like yeah I don't know someone described when I try to remember why people might like me or, like, why people might want to hang out with me, the thing I think about is someone described me as, like, you know, joyous, as, like, it's hard not to be excited for the thing you're talking about. Mm. Like, you have an innate ability to be passionate enough about something that you sell other people on it. And that is so much of what I enjoy about this podcast. At the end of the day, I feel like the best episodes are the ones where I'm like, we sold the heck out of this yeah. thing we love. Mm-hmm. We emphatically and triumphantly trumpeted why we love something why we love especially why we love animation and why kids stuff matters and to constantly get that from people means a lot it is a wonder that like we have that we're not just full-blown influencers at this point (laughs) because we do such a good job at selling things Disney, if you want to give us a private screening of Wish, um, you know, hook me up with a couple right. of big plushy star boys. Is thing. Yeah. Come right. on now. Like, I will break my rule of, like, not buying merch from a movie until I've seen it so I know I like it. And I'll just have, like, five uh, big starry boys just all around my room. <laughs> what are they called? What's he called? He's just called, I think he's just called The Star. Oh, star. okay. He, do- he doesn't have a name. Um, hmm. Um, Minus one I, I read it. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. I think it'd be funnier if his name was just Steve. Right, Craig. 
Anything. Yeah, there's more than one star. It's a little arrogant <laughs> right. to call yourself the. Right. <laughs> it's like, right? Like, Binks doesn't call herself the cat. Or even True. the Binks, because there's probably thousands of cats named Binks. Uh, yeah, she like, she's very much not the first. That, that's how she got that name. <laughs> exactly. But, yeah, you know, it's like, I don't know. We're, like, you know, we're sentimental sons of right. bitches. Or sons of cusses. Sons of cusses. <laughs> but, like, again, this movie, I don't know. This movie means a lot to me, and... Yeah. realizing that this was an opportunity to come back to this film and talk about this film and finally get the stump for this film a little bit. Like, mm. it's why I'm thankful for this opportunity. You know, I, it's why I'm thankful for this platform. It's why I'm thankful for how hard you've worked, Sydney, to, like, make this a thing. To not let this just be like, a, oh, we should do this. And it's like, no, we can do this. Yeah. Like, let's make a plan to do this. Thank and you. continue to do this for a year and almost Change. a half at this point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With no plans of stopping, like... Right? We are starting to work on our December calendar, and I'm just like, oh, we are going to have another fun month ready. It's so interesting because it's like, you know, we have goals of, like, making this profitable for us, and, like, we we do want to see our numbers grow and, like, and potentially, like, earn something on it. But, like, if if nothing... If things stayed exactly the way they were, I would still want to do it. Right. Yeah. If for no other reason, then it gives me an opportunity to spend time with the best friend I've ever had. Same. Ditto. (laughs) Love you, bud. Love you, too. And until we're back in the foxhole planning our next great master plan, I'm Carter. And I'm Sydney. Have a magical day. Thanks for listening. And happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. The Disney Desk is brought to you by Carter and Sydney. Follow us on Twitter at Disney Desk for the latest updates about the show. Want more of the most magical podcast on earth? The Disney Desk is now on Patreon. For exclusive weekly bonus content from us, go to patreon.com slash Disney Desk and become a patron for as little as $3 a month. Thank you. that everyone's like following along with but it but it feels alien to us
I'm editing that out. <laughs> Maybe it'll be the after credit scene. <laughs> what? I'm too... Like, I've, I've already been drinking, so, like, I'm already on the laugh, on the on the giggle side of things. Okay. Um, go, go what was on. I talking about? Oh, right. But, yeah, it's like... Like, we, we connect wolves to dogs because they're, like... Morty. Um... God damn it. Should we mention we're drinking on this episode? I think so people don't tell. think we're just being weird. Yeah. <laughs> um uh, I'll mention that at the end. I don't know. Um this will be the after credit scene. It'll it'll okay. add context. It'll be like a secret. It'll be okay. the Rosetta Stone you needed to understand the okay. whole thing. Um <clears throat> so 